here we go. This is uh, episode 86. Episode 86 of No Laugh Track, Acme Comedy Company's official podcast. Uh, thank you to Circle of Heat for that music we were just listening to, that we're jamming out to. It uh, kind of sets the mood here to get the podcast going. Like us on Facebook if you haven't done that yet. Follow us on Twitter. It's at No Laugh Track. I'm uh, at St. Paul Rock City, S-T-P-A-U-L. And it was, it just started doing a new thing. I'm posting the episodes on YouTube, so if for some reason you want to... Uh, Watch a still picture of the logo and listen to the show. By all means, please do so. You can uh, search them by the guests, by No Laugh Track, Acme, all that good stuff. Got a whole channel there uh, that we're loading them uh, day by day here. In any case, enough babbling. Let's get the guests involved here. David Crow. Hi, how are you? Hi, you're back from, uh, I'm sure you remember uh, episode number that you were here the first time. 37. Not pretty close. 27. <laughs> <laughs> higher it lower, would have been higher. 50 50 episodes ago right yeah 50 was up uh, episode 31 31 yeah oh, it's not that was pretty close you were pretty close what does 31 mean to you any significance i you know normally when you if someone would ask me something like that i would give it uh like a connection to a baseball player or football player's mm-hmm. uniform number 31 i got nothing. nothing uh yeah me neither 31 doesn't really oh i take it back 31 mm-hmm. is my sister's birthday January 31st. I'll go with oh, okay. that. Other than that, nothing. To me, it means ice cream. Ah, of course. 30, 31 flavors. Yes, and then some. Yeah, I know. And it's, you never want to name a restaurant that you or anything that you, uh, you hope to get really successful with, with a specific number, like <laughs> Motel 6, because they used to charge $6. Is that yeah. the history of that? Yeah, $6 a night. And then, oh, wow, inflation. And now it's, what, 66 Yes, hundred and sixty-two fifty. Yeah, Baskin Robbins, thirty-one flavors of ice cream. Wow, we uh, we have more. Should we change the name? No, we'll just thirty-one will be meaningless from here on out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, it's uh, Motel Six plus tax. Right. They... <laughs> Small print. So, welcome back to town. Thank you, you. How long have you been in town right I now? Flew in on Monday. Flew in on Monday. Oh, yes. actually, I knew that. I heard a. Uh, Little um, ran into a friend of yours on Monday night when you were here. Bent, Bent, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell us everybody about that. Oh well, Bent is. I think he was just coming through town to go up to uh, Grand Forks and Fargo or something. But but he happened to be in town. And uh, last April, uh, I directed Bent's DVD. Yeah, which so- I am still in the process of editing. Oh no! But I did pick up a. I did pick up a new computer now, so I'm, I will finish it very shortly. I feel bad it's taken so long. But. <laughs> <laughs> That's from the last time I saw you. You were hanging out here with the cameras. Yeah, yeah. Bent. It's something I, I, I've always done my whole career, and I just decided, you know what? I'm going to just learn to do this instead of feel like an outsider, feel like a hobbyist. And uh, I went back to film school, and that was completely unnecessary. Oh, you did? Yeah. But Yeah. Just you know, recently, last last winter, that's when you did the film school. Yeah. Oh no, kidding. Started. It was it's a long process. And yeah. What I found out is when you work in entertainment uh, and you have an interest in the uh, broadcast side of it, uh, you learn a lot more hands on. You give yourself credit for. I bet. And I I decided not to carry on in film school. Um, one because my the scope of what I want to do with it is is limited, but also the senior project. Uh, was something I'd already done. Oh, no. So, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, you know, okay. And, and the other thing you run into, I mean, I'm in my 40s, is I'm never going to become an expert at, say, After Effects or or light design or things like that. I mean, it, the truth is, if I ever get to the point where I need to have that done well, I'm going to hire somebody who's dedicated their life to right, it. Right, right. So, uh, so anyway, I'm, I just... Quit school and went and started continuing to do projects, but with more of a sense of, hey, you know, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You were you were telling me uh, when you were here, episode 31, yeah. that uh, you would yeah, you would purchase some fancy new cameras. Or at least one, got some other ones. Have you added yeah, to the collection? Yeah, I, uh, I have three. You really can't shoot much live with less than three, because mm-hmm. 
you have the one, and then if that one drops out, you have the other, and if those two, you, you need a third just to cover the other two, just in case. Sure, sure. <laughs> so, did you so, uh, when you were here Monday? Did you get up on stage or no? No, I just came in. I just came in and had dinner, chatted with Bent. Nice, nice. Yeah. But he did some open mic. He did. Yeah, right. I came in and he was doing. Uh, he was doing a bit about abortion. Oh, and. Uh, and I sat for two minutes, and, and this is a new chapter in my comedy career, having having done it for twenty some years now. I just thought I do not need to hear anything else about abortion. I'm going to go have dinner. Oh, <laughs> it didn't matter how funny it was or how witty or the new. I just thought I've heard enough abortion bits in my day. <laughs> I'm gonna. So what I love about someone like Jake Johansson is he for an hour he talks about things you've never heard of or mm-hmm. thought about. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jake's fantastic. He was on the uh, podcast here a few months. Was back. he? Yeah. He was great. She just let him talk for hours. Yeah. It's hard to it, it's hard to fathom sitting across from someone like him who's been like I'm sitting there just me right? this guy that's been on Letterman forty sometimes. Yeah. It's just it's pretty remarkable. Well, I'll make up for it. I've been on Letterman zero times. <laughs> me too. Right. We have that in common. <laughs> In fact, the other day, uh, I guess it was Sunday, it was the 50th anniversary of the Beatles being on the Ed Sullivan Show, which yes, is the that's Letterman correct. Theater. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I realized I had never actually seen the the full set the Beatles did on Ed Sullivan. I'd seen clips of it, of course, yeah. on the news, but my whole life, I'd never seen the actual set. And it's normally just the introduction. The yeah, Beatles! The Beatles! Yeah. Ah! Yeah. And so I went on YouTube and I watched the whole set, and it was... I don't know why it took me so long. It's very revealing. I have to admit, I've, I'm yeah. a huge Beatles fan, and I've never watched the whole thing either. It's completely out of context now. We, I, we can't imagine what the country was like back then no. where that made such an enormous splash. Yeah. Because it's, it's four young guys playing guitar and singing songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for some reason... Seen it before. It changed the world. It sure did. <laughs> Do you yeah. have a f- favorite Beatle? Uh, you know, I'm more like Paul, but uh, I, I have a part of them all. I'm, I'm probably more like Paul publicly, privately. I'm very George. I admire John, and I feel like Ringo just lucky to be there most of the time. Interesting. You've put some thought into that. No? No. I just came up with that right yeah, now. that's pretty good. <laughs> But it was interesting. John looked a little nervous. Uh, Paul was selling it. I mean, he was just, it was almost like, oh, finally, I'm home. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, you know, winking at the girls and waving his hair, sure. and they were all screaming. Yeah. Ringo was just like, yep, yeah, all right, I'm going to ride this for as long as I can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, and this always happens to famous drummers, is whenever they get older, and they get introduced to, say, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or whatever, or they do shows. For example, the Beatles are doing a big special tonight. Well, Ringo and Paul mm-hmm. doing a big special on CNN tonight. Big 50 years of the Beatles, right, blah, right. blah, blah. And they showed some clips of Ringo and Paul uh, performing. But R- Ringo doesn't get to play the drums anymore, no. right? Uh-huh. He stands up there and sings a little bit. Why is it? They never let the drummer do what he was famous for. Yeah, why right? is that? I don't know. I don't know. No it's theory on that? One of those in- instruments that just it just doesn't showcase well for old people. So uh, how they about... They want to bring you down front. They don't want you to be back there behind a kit. Do you still like listening to Paul sing? Like present day? Uh, you can be be honest. Not really. Yeah. No, no. Isn't it kind of... Dis- it's not disappointing, but it's... Yeah, I, like, uh, I mean, the only guy I've ever heard sing that sounds just like he did when he was right new on the scene and taking over the world. Take one guess. It's hard to oh, think boy. back to who was who was a sex symbol in the early '60s, late '50s. Elvis from England, <laughs> uh, but, uh, still around. Tom Jones. Oh, Tom Jones. God, he, he's not unusual. The, you see the concert he did for the Queen's Jubilee last Mm-mm. year. Oh just, wait, yes, yes, the Jubilee. Yeah, right in front of the Buckingham Palace. Just tore it up. <laughs> Same voice. Mama told me not to go. <laughs> He's got gray hair. I don't know walker. that that guy's human. To be honest, I mean, yeah, exactly. really, yeah, really. The, the aging, the lack of aging, and the voice. I know the fact that he's still a sex symbol. 
well, some, to he, some. He did let his hair go gray now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't think he likes the undies thrown at him anymore. <laughs> They're not getting smaller. No. <laughs> There's I, stuff in them now. I'd imagine. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I need that back. <laughs> no, not that fast. Yeah, I do. But you know what? Uh, can I just finish that off? It's so yeah. funny we're talking about the Beatles because mm-hmm. I'm I am not up to speed. I you know when I learned about Bruno Mars two weeks ago? Yeah, during the Super Bowl halftime show. I'm like, <laughs> who's this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Does do others know about him? <laughs> He's doing the halftime show at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I think they do. <laughs> this Bruno fella. Right. He's got a future. Right. Is he new? Yeah. Where did he come from? Uh, you, you, do you still live in Seattle where yeah, you're living? Yeah, you are. So, yeah. the Super Bowl, did you care? Oh. Are you a football fan? Are you, was it the greatest day of your life? Oh, it was. I hosted a Super Bowl party at one of the casinos. So, they had a, they, they, it was a free party. 800 people allowed, and then we reached capacity for the room. And they had big screens everywhere, and they had a, a chili dog buffet and so on. And uh, and it was, people were going crazy. And I, I equate the Seattle sports fan to the Minnesota sports fan. I think that we have a lot of similarity. There sure. isn't a ton of success in our history. No. Um, and I think we were ahead 30 to nothing, or 29 nothing, and still the vibe of the room was, well, I don't know, they could come back, it's uh, Peyton Manning, we need a few more points. So even though we were way ahead, the room was on pins and needles, up until about seven minutes left in the game. <laughs> really? Because <laughs> we don't win anything. I suppose. So there was this, this sense of doom and gloom, and uh, and then I didn't realize till later, there's probably a horrible game for the rest of the country to watch. We were ex- electric. Yeah. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Uh, because I, yeah, I mean, I've talked to people that I weren't really, couldn't care, just right. wanted to see a good game. It was not a good game. I am a huge Broncos fan. Oh, no. My second favorite team behind the Vikings. I've been a fan since the right. late 80s. So, uh, like, do you know the comedian Phil Palisol? No. No. Okay. Well, he's a, uh, he was one of like my first guests here on the on the podcast, right. and he's such he's uh, from Colorado, comedian. He's such a big fan. He has a John Elway number. I think he has a number seven tattooed on his leg. Okay, that's how big of a fan he is. Yeah, so, it's pretty big. Fan. I was I was uh, <laughs> I was reading his Again, uh, Facebook it. posts of disappointment, and you know, like uh, yeah. I know uh, it sucked. But congratulations! Well, for my your... girlfriend is from Denver, and she flew up from Denver. Oh wow! To watch. So we could watch the Super Bowl together, and she said, I'll never do that again. Ah! And it was depressing for me, too, because I would be going, yay, Seahawks. You look to the right, and there's someone depressed. Yeah. And, I, and the more I cheered, it was as she, was, she was offended by my cheering, and that's not how you want it. You don't want to have a championship party worrying about someone else's feelings. No, not right. at all. You throw that out the window. Right. So I told her to leave. <laughs> you don't like it? Get out. Right. Go back to Denver with your loser team. <laughs> Did uh, the parade, did you have any inkling? I was in Calgary during the parade. Oh, then you so, left. Uh, huh? But I heard it was 7,700,000 people. Insanity. Yeah. Absolutely insanity. Well, you know what's scary about the Seahawks, though? And, and, God, and hats off to Pete Carroll for putting this whole thing together. Um, the, the defense will stay the same, right? It's mm-hmm. going to be good for a couple of years. The offense is only going to get better and better. Russell Wilson is still making quantum leaps in improvement from game to game. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not like we have a lot of downside for the next few years. Sure, and our uh, the Vikings export, uh, Percy, Harvin. Percy Harvin. If he stays yeah. healthy more than one game or a couple plays... Right, he's a hell of a he's a hell of a talent. We only need him for the Super Bowl, so we'll just save him. Yeah, apparently the secret weapon. There. Yeah, he did have a hell of a game. Did you see how fast he was? Yeah, I well, <laughs> yes, because I loved watching that when he was wearing purple. So yes, I did. Like I remember him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do a thing where I uh, everyone that's been on the podcast here, I set up a Google alert. Okay, so that I can like if, you know if somebody releases a new. DVD or is right. going to be, you know, had some print, it has some story written about him, uh, you know, and somewhere. Then I can, you know, give it a little uh, publicity, like on the Facebook right. page. So I have one set up for you, Mr. David Crow. Okay. And I bet you can imagine or, uh, a lot of the, quite a few of the alerts I get under the name David Crow or for some financial uh, expert that. <laughs> Are they really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want you to, this is not about that person. 
What person? The, the, uh, the uh, what is he? He's the vice president of something, something, but there's tons of stories about him if you look for David Crowley. In any case, read the uh, first couple paragraphs of that one. And let me just say that I was worried about you. Okay. I've got to dig out my glasses, which I may not. Oh, no. I may have. No, I swear I, I brought them. I don't have them. Oh, you, you didn't bring them. Well, I'm going to have to read it then, since you don't have your spectacles. Okay, well, this is a story I've Oh, here they are. Oh, you do have them. All right. There you go. <laughs> just the first couple of paragraphs. You'll get the gist the of it. The first couple of paragraphs. Shall I read it out loud? Yeah. Yep, are you do. okay? A young man who was viciously attacked in the car park of a GAA club had to undergo major surgery and has sustained permanent scarring as a result. Continue on. Yes, sir. Nick Foley, age 24, of St. Lawrence Park, Gary Owen, had pleaded guilty to assaulting David Crow, causing him to harm causing him harm at Glaugen GAA Club Road in the early hours of December 17th. Detective Garda Fergal Hanrahan told Limerick, nice, <laughs> Limerick Circuit Court that the incident happened following the verbal altercation between the two men in the smoking area of the clubhouse, where a quiz night had taken place earlier. That's, this is really... <laughs> I could be involved in something like this. <laughs> really? I'd be at a quiz night in Limerick. Uh, he said both men had had both men had drink taken, and f- that Foley. That's kind of a funny way. Both men had drink taken. I know. I've never heard that. Had so. taken drink, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that Foley an unemployed mechanic punched Mister Crow in the face. At which time Mister Crow claim uh, claimed him. Maybe I should be reading this with an Irish accent. Judge Carol Moran <laughs> oh, was told both men, then left the smoking area and went to the car park to fight it out where Foley punched David Crow in the face and more than a dozen times because six wasn't enough. <laughs> I don't see any uh, bruising wow. at all, David, so <laughs> you must have healed well. Wow, that's too bad. But how Irish is that? <laughs> My family I, I, does go back to Ireland. The original name is McKencrow. That's all one long word? Yeah, McKencrow. But when they moved to England to uh, to get work, they took the mick off. So they anglicized it, as it were. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, Decultified it. And you said Canada is where mom and dad were? Your parents yeah, my, at some point? My my dad's from northern British Columbia. Yeah. Mom's from England. All four grandparents are British. Oh, look at that. So I am 100% English by blood. <laughs> but somewhere before then, it goes back to Ireland because mum's name is Connolly, which is very Irish. That's very Irish. Oh, yeah. yeah. Dan Connolly is the uncle on, on that side. So. Dan Connolly. Daniel Connolly. Ah, Dan Connolly. Yeah. Coal miners all. Do you rem- So uh, when you were in town... Mm-hmm. The uh, January 2013 headlining here at Acme. You were doing some filming. Yes. And another weird thing happened that week. A pipe broke downtown. That's right. We uh, <laughs> First time the club's ever been closed due to natural disaster. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It was uh, the Hennepin. Uh, some main, they were digging something on Hennepin, and they, the guy running the backhoe popped the pipe Yeah. and flooded... All of Hennepin and much of downtown on a very freezing cold day. Oh, yeah. Janu- first week of January. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, people were ice skating on Hennepin. <laughs> it's just like the day when Father Hennepin came to the river. And <laughs> Is it? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> they have yeah. Some, almost all you were going to break into some poem there. Well, I know. The I history realize. of Minnesota. I read that on a stone thing down on the Mississippi here in Minneapolis that Hennepin was some some priest who came and converted the natives. Sure. Yeah. I I'll believe you. Either that or Nicolette. I can never get the two. I think Nicolette was a military guy. As we discussed the first time you were on the podcast, you and I were have something in common. Not just that we learned this week we've ne- neither of us have been on Letterman. We were both born in St. Paul. Right. Yeah. Right, and I so I'm a St. Paul guy. Minneapolis, we're, I mean, we're in the I came up city proper right now. But. My theory this, this that I came up with is I, I was only in St. Paul for two months and I moved away. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm going to come back to die in St. Paul. So my life has sort of complete circle feel. Yeah. So uh, I want to walk into where I was born, St. Joseph's Hospital. Mm-hmm. I want to walk in, 
and die there. I'm not going to tell them that. I'll just walk in and cack. Do you guys have my first bed here? Right. I'm going to walk into the maternity ward. <laughs> this is where it all started, clunk. <laughs> I have one of those tiny blankets. Right. <laughs> have you been uh, watching the Olympics at all? I have been, yeah. I was, I was a fan of that yeah. spectacle. Yeah, I, I, uh, I feel bad for Russia in one way because I think one person tweeted a picture of two glasses of dirty water and now suddenly... You you never saw any other tweets of dirty water, right? Mm-hmm. Just those two, mm-hmm. but it got repeated and repeated and dittoed, and yeah, dittoed, that's true. and uh, so you know how bad was it really? And then and then let's be honest, a, double toilets. A picture of like the fun. double toilets, but only one on. picture of the double toilets, right? No, there was a second one, I believe. Oh yeah, yeah. So okay, but what's okay? Two, one. You're right. Maybe they maybe. That's why they're so good at pairs figure skating because they do everything <laughs> <They> together. <do. laughs> But yeah, I love I I love that Olympics. I, I think it's quite amazing what it, like it or not, what it does for the host country. Mm-hmm. And uh, for example, with the the whole anti-gay thing that Putin is supported or pushed forth or what have you. Right, right. Um, you know, without hosting the Olympics, they they don't they never get a situation where they feel global pressure from the rest of us to reconsider or to see other perspectives and so you countries want to host the olympics especially up and coming developing Mm -hmm. countries they want to host it because they get to be chair to all the nations of the world and it makes you feel like well we're one of the we're on the top tier now as a nation, yeah. but it also opens up your nation to all those influences. So, sure, your uh, dirty little secrets are going to get yeah, out there yeah, because yeah. the and, closet and, doors and you open. You sort of have to say, "Well, you know, we, yeah, okay, we're we'll think about that. We'll we'll take that under consideration." Yeah, you know, you're <laughs> right. That's a good point. It was also uh, when the China right. posted the last uh, was mm-hmm. it the summer. Yep, yep, tons of. You know, there are bad conditions there as well. And especially, they pointed out a lot of things in the economy, you know, and how, like, the, uh, a lot of the venues that they built just for the Olympics, Olympics left town, abandoned. Abandoned, completely abandoned. Yes. In China? Yes. Well, they've got an issue with abandoned cities. Whole cities are abandoned or not even moved into. The the growth in China is is, uh, calculated uh, not by sales of real estate, but by building. By, not by the number of s- homes sold, by the number of homes built. Oh, so there's, yeah, it's a little way for the government to say, look at all this growth we're having, but they don't sell the homes; they're just building them. Well, the government has plenty of money. Yeah. Well, you know who knows? I don't know whether maybe they're borrowing it or printing it, but well, but they have. There are whole cities that are empty. Literally, cities of sixty thousand homes that are empty in China. Amazing. And I'm like I'm some kind of authority on it, but it's something I just saw on television. Yeah, sure. Is there a <laughs> um, is there a, an Olympic sport that you could see yourself? Like, if, was there there one you would have been a halfway? You decent know, it's kind of funny. It's because I, as I, I think the luge. I mean, if you're gonna, why not just go sledding for a sport and get to go to the Olympics every four years? You're never too old to do the luge, right? No. When I was little, I wanted to be a speed skater. Have you ever done it? I tried it. It's so hard. Those giant blades oh, have to my be difficult. I, oh, yeah. I would trip over them, I think. And you know how in speed skating you see the guy take four strokes and he's down the hole straight away and then about four strokes and he's around the... And it looks so much fun to fly. It's, the tra- it's, the, it's a quarter-mile track. Yeah. When you get out there on... I did it in Calgary. When you get out there on your own, it took me about 100 strokes <laughs> to get down the straightaway. <laughs> and then I swear I was just... I was... I was Almost falling all the way around the corner. Just here's my, the speed skaters are whoosh, whoosh, yeah, whoosh. And I was amazing cat, power. Cat, 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 cat. <laughs> my feet hurt. I didn't even do one lap. The back of the blade, is it connected or is it sort of loose, isn't it? I don't, I don't I'm not sure. Yeah, I, well, maybe it's one or the other mm-hmm. uh, speed skating skate or in any case. Yeah, well, I give you credit for even trying. I didn't. No, I wasn't allowed to try real speed skating skates because as a novice, you apparently you, you have to work up to that. Oh. You can't do those big blades. So what did they give you? Just normal skates. Oh, really? <laughs> I can. Well, then that is sad. Yeah. But, you know, that'd be a good one. I, I never understood these guys who 
do the half pipe and fly around and doing flips and I did no silliest thing for me is skateboarding videos you know if if I'm going to if I'm going to paralyze myself uh doing a sport it's not going to be oh how'd you how'd you paralyze yourself I I was trying to go down six stairs. Yeah. <laughs> right? with, with no padding. And... Right. I wanted to be, I, I was uh, in, in my 20s, I tried skiing Everest, right? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, wow, yeah. that didn't work out for you. Well, too bad. At least you got to do that. But these skateboarding videos, they're all, hey, here's four stairs. Let's see if we can slide down the rail. Uh-oh. My neck's broken. Yeah. There's concrete at the bottom. Right. Oh, that's cool. All right. Yeah. Makes it more fun. I my favorite of the videos were uh, they do that in the crash and then instead of the friend coming to help they just laugh in the camera <laughs> get no, it goes it up and down <laughs> it shakes it's awful. Uh, awful Adobe Premiere now has a, a a function where you can get rid of that shake yeah, you just you click on that track and it's shake removal I oh forget, wow yeah I think it's called warp. So uh, so it's probably for getting rid of your friend's laughter when he's filming <laughs> you in the skateboard video. <laughs> I don't they don't take it away permanently. I I kind of yeah. like it. Um so how do you uh how do you come up with questions for a podcast? What is Well, let's see. Is there a goal? Is there I was kind of thinking of what I might do for a podcast. My latest idea is called National Gra- National Geographic Inquirer. And it's just totally made up stories about animals. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> okay. I don't think anybody's doing that. I don't think so. But that's so, all I could come up with. Uh, what do I do? I would say I, you know, my whole idea behind this is to get, you know, get people listening to get to know you better. Okay. And to make them want to, you know, buy, mm-hmm. hopefully buy whatever you're selling. And most importantly, come down to this club and you know, be have enough interest if they didn't already to come down to the club yeah. and see some live comedy and spend a whole bunch of money on drink. No, <laughs> <laughs> but no, and, seriously, and you get five percent. No, um, you know, I mean, this this whole thing started because I'm a big comedy nerd, right? So you know, I think a lot of my questions are just, um, you know, I'm just trying to you know get to know anybody you know who I'm sitting across from, get to know yeah. them better, and so. Yeah, this whole thing, I've never been good about this being natural in front of a microphone. Do you want to, uh, <laughs> well, this is just the rehearsal, so. Right. Well, I'm serious. It, uh, always, I always have a little aspect of ta-da in my personality. Right? So I'm, I'm Ed Sullivan pre-Beatles. <laughs> that was how it, that, that moment was described to me once by a guy who was alive when that moment happened and here here's how he what he said was significant about the beatles ed sullivan experience or appearance and why it changed everything because up until that point just about everything on television in fact you might argue everything on television had a certain ta-da perspective it was it was that kind of circus ring performer performing for the viewing audience and everything was presented like it was. You're not going to see this anywhere else. And perfect. And this is how it's supposed to be. Here's how we end a show. And but it's all for you. It's all for you, the audience. Da da. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If I drip, beat that into the ground. <laughs> when the Beatles went on Ed Sullivan, they did not perform for the audience. They performed for themselves. They looked at each other. They joked around. They didn't. There was no sense of, was that good? I hope you liked it. It was just four guys having more fun, and the rest of us watching were sort of not allowed to be involved. Hmm. Right? Uh-huh. Very different from, I've done this for you. And there was something so infectious. I mean, this guy who told me this was John Keister, who was a, a TV star in Seattle. He said, he said, I remember watching that thinking, I want, I want that. I want to be like that. That's, I want some of that. Whatever those four are doing, that's what I want. And, uh, and he felt like people all over the country had the same reaction, especially young people. Yeah. And there was this, that was the paradigm shift. 
And from that point on, when the dancing bear and the lady with the big beach ball came out and did her twirling rings into on Ed Sullivan, it yeah. just looked corny. <laughs> I think so. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it would be like uh, probably be like a juggler following Bill Hicks on a comedy stage. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like, really? <laughs> You're going to... Oh, you might cut off that guy's head. Oh, you didn't. We didn't know that wasn't going to happen. So this is what's passing for entertainment now, huh? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I'm curious why you asked me that. Am I I jumping around too much? I'm curious. No, I don't know how you know if a podcast is good or not. Do you have a a little meter in your mind going, oh, this is going nowhere? (laughs) Sometimes you do. I have that meter in my mind all day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> we'll just shut it, shut her down right now. No, no, no I'm not saying that. I'm just curious. I, 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 maybe, maybe it's too inside to be on a podcast talking about a podcast. But I really struggle with listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. One because I don't have the greatest lexicon or the best diction in the world. But uh, I, I need my broadcasters to have some level of professionalism. I. If I start hearing it's like and you know, I want to scratch my face off. And so many young young broad podcasters have those kind of little speech impediments that uh-huh. are thrown in there and I I guess I guess I'm because it goes back to my British upbringing. I need I mean I need some my broadcasters to be BBC trained. <laughs> <laughs> or at least sound like it, right? I need them to speak better than I do. Uh, What's that about? Is it uh, that's hmm? Were your parents strict? Uh, no, I mean somewhat. Yeah, yeah, I guess, but not. Uh, there's a certain expectation. Want, do you do you have? I mean, we had our grammar corrected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I, I did too. Right. My dad was a teacher, math teacher. Though to this so day, fit. I hear myself talk and i think gosh it's not something it's something mm-hmm. <laughs> i say something how about when someone <laughs> says well anyway anyway anyways do you have a preference i don't have a preference you don't who whom i think i think they're interchangeable when someone says anyways it drives me nuts and then i looked really? it up online and it really like i'd wanted proof Right, like, I'm right. right. I, you know, I'm right. It's anyway, not anyways. I couldn't. I'm not so much a stickler for those kind I of things, but the it. the boy, the it's like you know, you know, you know, you know. Just throwing in you know after every sentence mm-hmm. drives me insane. Mm-hmm. I I turn it. I can't listen to it. Proper. You don't have those kind of. What are they called? Crutches? Crutches, yeah. 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 There's a gentleman that played... But, but for, you're a broadcaster, right? You were... Yeah, you, I... Yeah. <laughs> that makes makes me sound much more professional than I am, but yes, I work uh, yeah. radio. I produce a, a morning show here in right. town, so... So you know. You have that probably voice that voice in your head that says, oh, don't say that. That sounds bad on radio. Yes, I, mm-hmm. I'm aware. Sometimes things... It's, you know, you, you, go, you go back and hear things and think to yourself... Mm-hmm. I don't. Why was I not? That's came out too quickly. I'm now. I sound like a dummy. That's not right. me, or maybe it is me. But I've been trying to hide that. I, you know, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Something you mentioned last time, and mm-hmm. we didn't get. It, we really didn't have any time to talk about it. We were kind of wrapping things up. And I want to know if anything's still going on with this. There's a card line that you were connected. Oh, with? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's is that doing, still functioning? Is that still well, uh, yeah. up, up and it's, rolling? Especially I'm, with Valentine's Day this Friday. Who, I'm, by the way, I hear the shows are sold out. They here. are sold out. Thanks to Valentine's Day. Yeah. <laughs> They're going to get a yeah. piece of David Crow that that's night. That's right. Too, so I that's can a look good thing. To it. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, I, I, I started a card line with a proper publisher. You know, as, uh, as Joe Namath says, life is a team game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, uh, with a proper publisher, so they, I gather the material, the card lines written, the cards are written by comedians from all over the country. We essentially crowdsource talent and then we, uh, we pick a few, uh, we, uh, we have 120 in publication. Now. Oh my. Uh, the a rack will hold 48. So, uh, if a store holds a rack, they choose their favorite 48 from the 120 available. So these aren't just selling on your website. They're, no, no, they're no. All, these are they're all over. We're being we're being test marketed at FedEx Kinkos, no which kidding. has 
2,000 stores, I think. Kroger is looking at carrying them. Um, so some real big deals. It took us a while. If you're going to appeal to the large franchises, you have to give them options. For example, when we first published, we had 48 cards available, and Iraq held 48. Robert Hawkins, you know, you know Hawk? Yes. Yeah, brilliant comedian. As an example, his card that we published says... Uh, uh, the golden rule says to love others as you love yourself. And then the inside says, but you just can't go around touching people like that. <laughs> now, I love the card. I think it's hilarious. But Kroger's is not going to the grocery store chain, is not going to have that card. So, right. so what we had to do was, over the course of a year, publish enough cards so that the really conservative chain stores could have just rated G cards, and then if an independent store who might want something a little edgier could have the, the Hawkins card in there, what have you, right? So it's, uh, it's yeah, we have, I think we only have 600 racks across the country at the moment. But That's, if, that's a lot. That seems like a lot Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, Cost Plus and World Markets carry it. Um, uh, if some of these chains pick the lineup, we'll know at the end of the, in, at the beginning of summer. They pick the lineup. Well, I have about 4,000 racks. Holy cow. Yeah. And it's it's all about teaming up with a great publisher. Compendium Inc. is the publisher. And they they have a lot of different products. Uh, this card line is it's only the second card line they've done, but it's certainly not the second product. I looked over the names. Quite a few, a lot of people that have that perform yeah, yeah, at yeah. Acme yearly, yep. you know, that have, uh, that have been on this podcast. And- it's been something cool to to be able to present to other comedians and all they have to do is is bang out some ideas on their laptop and send me an email and we take care of the rest are there any i assume there are some that you wrote i have a very intimidating by the way when you collect two thousand entries from comics around the country probably i, I think i had about 200 comics submitting this round mm-hmm. so anyway, i got two thousand five hundred jokes in wow and uh and they're only going to publish 12 cards out of that. So it's very intimidating for me to submit my own material. How is it going to stack up? God, am I really going to, is this going to be my card line and I don't have any cards in because I'm not funny enough? <laughs> very intimidating. Oh. And, and by my own insistence, the selection process with the publisher is blind. Okay. So I take all the names off and That's I throw, true. I throw my jokes in, kind of pepper them in. So, uh, and, uh, and I got two. Hey, this next round, right? Yeah, right. One of them uh, that I'm very excited about. Uh, it says, "Have you ever been making love and find yourself thinking about something totally different? Like, oh, I can't. F- or, oh, I got to remember to buy a birthday card. <laughs> Happy birthday! <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. So they like that one. <laughs> and the other one, uh, which uh, is really different for the line. It's really not in the voice of the stand-up comedy line, but I have a four-year-old daughter, right. so she inspired me to write this line, and they just thought it was very positive. And it's, uh, it's little girls know something that adults have long forgotten. Anybody, and I mean anybody, can wear a crown if they want to. Nice. It's not just for royalty. <laughs> and they, they just like that sentiment. As a father of two daughters, I thought for sure yeah. you were going to say dress. Because uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 but the same thing. So Kathy, you know Kathy Ladman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she she is a writing machine. Every every round, she she sends in a couple of pages, and she always gets a card published. Her my favorite her, of the latest round, she had had a card that says, uh, "I'm getting so many age spots. I think I've moved from cougar to leopard." <laughs> <laughs> It's brilliant. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a comic from Minnesota, Spencer Dobson. Hmm, I don't know that. Uh, that he mean? started here years ago. I guess and I've he, seen that name. Yeah. He submitted some, and he's got such an original voice. It's more of a long form, and I don't have his material, so because I, I can't read you his cards. They're, they're, they're longer. They're more paragraph form, mm-hmm. but they're really good. So, yeah, the line is, is out there. It's called Frank and Funny, and... Uh, and it's just uh, the goal was to make this line be the voice of the stand-up comedy community in the greeting card market, and uh, and you know we're we're getting there. Perfect time of year to be talking about this. I think so. Yeah, we don't tend to publish cards that are um, holiday uh, oriented because they're such a these we want the rack to be green uh, 
360 days a year mm-hmm. or relevant. Yeah. So uh, so we don't have Valentine's Day specific cards, but we do have cards about love. Yeah. And so on. Um, half the cards are called just for laughs. They're just just funny thoughts. Those you know those who are the cards has... I like to give on no matter what the holiday. You know, I like my whole thing for years has mm-hmm. been to give two cards to people. Yeah. You know, like my significant other. Uh, will be the you know like the lovey dovey one yeah. and the funny one, so, right? Yeah, Jackie Cation for the fr- I had been badgering her to send me some card ideas for so long for two years, she never did, and finally she sent some in, and she's got a card coming out. She doesn't know it yet, but she's one of hers was oh. accepted, and it's you know Jackie, right? Yes, oh yeah. This is so Jackie says uh, I'm bored with my anxieties. Call me with yours, <laughs> <laughs> or call me and we'll talk about yours. I think that's it. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. She's great. Hey, I um, <clears throat> here's an example of things that I print out and bring along to okay. podcasts. Right. The, uh, every every show I usually uh, towards the you know like we're in the second half of the show here for sure, and then uh, these are what I have here, and I did actually. Fittingly enough, I did something similar uh, to this with Jackie when she was here last. These are questions that I found that are uh, that parents uh, it's suggested to pose to their kids. Oh, to get, like, kind of get to know them better, get some uh, that's get some dialogue idea. going. Right. All right. So I'm going to ask you some of these questions, and you're just going to answer, you know, not as a child, but just you know, as myself, as you are now. Right. Okay. So we'll uh, yeah, we'll start with these here. Why do kids? Put rings in their eyebrows and nose. Kids? Yes. Why do why do why do people well, just people? Why do people do that? Why do people put eye, rings in their eyebrows and nose? David Crow. <sighs> Something I've never been comfortable with doing. <laughs> right. I think. I think they're trying to express something that they can't articulate with words, and so rather than read more and work on their literary skills they just go to some dude who puts a shank in their eyebrow and then they thought that's what i was trying to say yeah have you ever seen that process done where they like no. pierce someone's nipple really that sounds very arrogant for me to say but that's i've always felt like that's fine like those those are are, are those those veneers are are shallow mm-hmm. and I've, I've i've always uh felt like uh, anybody could do that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. true. Anybody, anybody with can... a friend with a hook. Yeah, exactly. A needle. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you've never done anything I have never, I have never tattoos? I've never expressed myself even through fashion. And I'm, uh, it's, it's, for some reason, I just feel like that's this, this tarp that you throw on over yourself to sort of as a costume. And I've, it's just never a way that I've expressed myself, right? Yeah, you used a key word that I've... Uh, a costume? Yes. Yeah. I've hung on to for years. Yeah. I always looked at... Nice costume. In now co- I know who you are. Good. In co- yeah, in college, I uh, uh, I would see these people that looked very interesting in, at university with the, with, the, with the piercings and the tattoos and the colored hair, all that kind of stuff. And, and I always thought they were more interesting than me. And there was just... They, they lived on another level. And just about without exception, every time I got to know one, they were boring as hell. <laughs> And insecure, and had nothing to say, and almost lived like a chihuahua in fear of something, uh, right? <laughs> and it was a way of saying, "Stay away from me. Don't talk to me. I've, I'm weird." Yeah, huh? but not weird because I really am weird. Weird because I, I don't want you to talk to me. Yeah, I like that. I like putting a mask on, sort of. A little bit, yeah. Uh, if you had to have one of these, if I, you had to, I have... like paragraph answers. By the way, go ahead. <laughs> if you had to have one of these, there are no correct answers. Okay. Or how to deliver them. If you'd have one of these, which would you pick and why? Really long nose hairs, hair in your ears, hair above your lip, or massively hairy armpits? You mean if I had to have one? Yeah. Only one. Really long nose hair, hair in your ears, hair above and your do, lip. And do I get to trim it or I have to leave it? You have to leave it. Oh, okay. It's either between the armpits or what's the other one? <laughs> lip? Ear? Hair? Uh, nose yeah. hair? Now, anything on the face, I want I want manageable. So I think I'd go with the long armpit hair. Cause, but I'm a guy, yeah. right? Right. I'm picturing a long mane where someone would actually comb it out. You know, I find, Get the snarls out of there. I find that there's that there's body hair, uh, and, and I, there was somebody in my, in my elementary school, and uh, 
And I've all my life, I've thought of her when it comes to strange, abnormally robust body hair mm-hmm. for a woman. Mm-hmm. And it, her name is Alana Umberger, <laughs> right? Gorgeous. Yeah. And she was pale, absolutely stark white, and just had this long, dark, uh, black arm hair. Oh, yeah. It, it curves all, yeah. goes all the way around the arm, yeah, 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 probably. Yeah. And, and to me, <laughs> Alana Umberger was just this person that had freakishly hairy arms. And, and we're talking second grade. Sure. Right? And I forget where I was, but recently it was another comedian, and he, he goes, oh, yeah, Alana Umberger? Yeah, she's because he was from Eastern Europe, southern southeastern Europe, and he's Jewish. And he goes, "Oh yeah, that's totally an Albanian Jew name." And uh, yeah, we are we are white people with and he that's what he had white skin but dark hair, kind of like the cross between Norway and Egypt. Yeah. You know, you just bring the t- and that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and I thought, oh my god! And I never thought of Alana Umberger as having yeah that Eastern European Jewish name. It was it, to me, it was always just this one girl out of nowhere who had freakishly so it all made sense now there's a part of the world where you can be pale pale white yet have that dark coarse persian hair coarse yeah Ah. so so i imagine alana umberger just had chinchillas under her armpits that's why i bring it up and i think that's what i go alana call me with a picture all right. <laughs> well, funny someone hears this. I know Alana Umberger. We're bringing her here Saturday. <laughs> she has Valentine's tickets here for Friday. She was one of these girls who read at recess in oh. elementary school, right? Which is another very Jewish thing to do, right? Read at recess, get I, your education. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I always looked like who would read at recess? There are red balls to kick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Girls to push. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're one of those, are you? Yeah. That, that I, well, yeah. <laughs> you didn't know what to say to them. Mm-mm. You push them. Push and, and chase. Run away, yes. right. uh, David Crow, what kind of lies do your friends tell their parents? What kind of lies do my friends tell their parents? Oh, that's probably a tough one. <sighs> I love you. <laughs> uh, I'll visit soon. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I think for the most part, uh, the f- my friends uh, have continuing lies they tell their parents, which are really not to tell them the truth about what they did growing up. Yeah. Which wasn't that bad, but the parents just don't want to know the details. No, so. time has passed. Let's, right. yeah, leave it there. That's that's true. What was your favorite toy when you were little? G.I. Joe. Yeah? Oh, yeah. G.I. Joe. They I'd... just celebrated this the 50th. 50th? Is it in the Beatles? 50th anniversary of G.I. Joe, Joe on Ed Sullivan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ed Sullivan. That's right. <laughs> my dad was nervous about getting me a doll, but I saw it in the catalog and wanted a G.I. Joe, and then he saw how me and my buddy... You know how your best friend when you're little is uh, not necessarily somebody that you would choose as a best friend. They're just near you, right? A- They're abs- the house across the street. Absolutely so correct. Friends. Yes. And uh, so Rick Slidem was my best friend growing up. We both had G.I. Joes and just every day was out in the woods making dams, burying Joe, getting him stuck in a tree, blowing, you know, throwing rocks at him. You set him up on a pile of dirt. You chuck rocks. Yeah. 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 I loved it. Build parachutes, throw them off the deck. Mm Mm-hmm. You're not doing that. The girls aren't doing that with Barbie. No. My sisters had Barbies, but G.I. Joe. I lost so many of my G.I. Joes. Right. I don't know what happened to them. I grew up on a lake. I assume some of them drowned. <laughs> I remember losing one. They were uh, someone was near our house was running a bulldozer, and I would throw GI Joe sort of on the edge of the dirt as it sloughed off the side of the bulldozer blade. Decapitate then, them or something? Yeah, and then one day he just he he was gone. I I threw him too far into the bulldozer. Yeah, I think so. Never showed up. Someone's gonna dig that up someday. And these were the frizzy, the real frizzy hair GI Joes, not the painted head GI Joes. No, oh, right, right, right. No, I'm just a little bit younger than you, and I had like the you know like the the smaller ones with the um, oh yeah choco they, sticks. And- yeah, they uh, they had a um, what was the big thing? They could move their arms side to side. Right. Yeah. I uh, and I still have some of those, but uh, I've given them to I let my kids play with them. They don't play with them like I did, but that's I fine. never. You know, I don't have any toys left over from my youth and I think it's I think that's common with boys because somewhere around 6th 7th 8th grade 
all boys get into this, get access to explosives. It's when, <laughs> it's when your 4th of July rolls around and you don't have to be around the parents to light your fireworks. Where before that, you kind of do. And as soon as you get your own Indian reservation explosives and you and your buddies get to go on your own, your toys start going through demolition phases, right? I mean, I blew up all my toys. See, I, I grew up in the city, so I, that oh, couldn't yeah? happen. You didn't I, have... If I would have blown something up, the, the cops would have showed up thinking somebody was getting shot. There's we, no... We could get anything off the res. Yeah. Oh, M80s. No. no. B- rockets that would fly a quarter mile and hope... <laughs> just... I just love that idea. Yeah, uh, 12-year-olds with explosives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And we made our own pipe bombs, too. I did watch the neighbor pull one together once and blow it up in really? his backyard. My uh, Yeah, the girl next door, uh, two houses down, her dad made one in the garage. Mm-hmm. Thinking back now, mm-hmm. that's crazy. If what? I knew that my neighbor right now, uh, you know, if I went home right now, like, hey, what are you doing there, Bill? Uh, you know, putting together a little bomb we're going to set up in the backyard. Just got some gunpowder. I would be concerned. I think I'd be more concerned. See, I think there are... Uh, I grew up with a shop. Okay, my dad had a shop. Okay. He was an airline pilot, That's but he right. had a shop. And it's because he grew up on a farm in northern British Columbia. And they had horses uh, that they would use to pull the wagon, right? Up there, you don't... Cars are kind of impractical, especially back when he was young. So, so there... W- and you had to do a lot of things on your own. You can just call some guy to fix things for you you fix it on your own and so i grew up with a shop my friends grew up with a shop and a cabin with a shop my friends had a cabin and their uncle had a shop that was a at the cabin by the river and it was locked up and you would walk in and he of course had died years ago but this cabin was full of tools and scraps and it was all dusty and hadn't been used in forever and i want to go there right now i know there it was right out of a star wars episode and i think if you grow up with a shop in your access to a shop in your life that that really changes your perspective on everything else you do i I never look at something and think, oh, I can't do that. I need to hire somebody to do that for me. I always think, well, I'll, let me attack that. I think I could fix that. I think I could build that. I think I could, of course, I while away valuable hours, you know, doing something that some other guy could show up with the right tool and well, do it in a second. But, yeah. but it's the mentality, mm-hmm. right? So, again, got tired of the reservation going to get explosives. We should make our own explosives. So we made pipe bombs and tried to, you know, all that. That was in the cabin. Right. I'm looking. You, ha- I haven't noticed. You're mi- you're not missing any fingers. Nope. So. No. No. Yeah. Th- things you know worked out pretty mm-hmm. well. I'd say. Uh, we'll just do a couple more here. Um, I remember you mentioning you like to read. You like history. Or at least I do like history. history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not I, the reading part. I might be making that up. But the history. Is there anyone in history that you have read about that you would like to be? Oh yeah, Samuel de Champlain. Who's that? Or Captain Cook, but. Samuel de Champlain was the uh, founder of Quebec City. He came over from France and basically settled French North America. And uh, what was cool about Champlain is is he had a very different approach to many of the uh, explorers at the time who would come over. They would they would trade with the natives, but they wouldn't mix with the natives. They they would sort of you take what they needed from the natives, but the natives were sort of a people that needed to be pushed away, pushed out, dealt with, but not joined, not mixed with. Mm -hmm. And uh, Champlain felt very different about it. He encouraged all of his men to marry Native women, and he made treaties with the Natives, and uh, and he, uh, uh, he learned how they did things and sort of adopted their way because they had lived here for thousands of years. Right. So he was very much a, a way ahead of his time and, and his philosophy about seeing every human on, on earth as equal. Right. And he, he settled in 16, I'm, I'm guessing 16, 1680 maybe is when he came over. I might be a little off there. Yeah. 1670. But, an amazing, amazing dude. Why isn't the city named after him? Quebec City? Yeah. Oh, you didn't name places after yourself? That would be arrogant, right? <laughs> yeah. Someone else can. But Lake Champlain is in New oh. York. and Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of Champlain stuff up there. But uh, the other person would, of course, be Captain Cook. I just think, uh, you know, 
the balls of Jupiter on this guy. He, when he landed, he, he went around the world three times. Mm-hmm. And when he landed, uh, he always made the point of getting in full dress and going ashore first alone. And here's a guy who was landing in places all over the world that had never seen white people. Of course, his Marines would be in a rowboat behind him, but he would, they, they would let him off on shore, kind of paddle out away, and he would walk up the beach by himself to meet these natives. I mean, can you imagine? That's some you big balls. Yeah, but he wanted to make sure that they knew he was not there as an enemy. A threat. He was no as a threat, that he was there as a friend. And to, but just, holy cow. And he made it all the way around the world three times doing that, never encountered a problem until he got to Hawaii and those bastards killed him because they are vicious <laughs> savages. That's why we don't let them. Kermit Apio fool you. <laughs> <laughs> I know he was excited about that Super Bowl as well. Yeah, I was watching his stuff on Facebook. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you just brought that up. One of these questions I, that are on this thing, I, I actually skipped. Did I skip past it? Uh, do you think blah blah blah? It's your favorite, but it got lots of oh, uh. Well, it was something about what would you do if you saw uh, a gang? A, if you. What would you do if you saw what appeared to be a gang walking towards you and you're alone? And it's just that I think that's sort of uh, like you're saying about Cook, you know, like going up to the, like uh, you know landing and going, all right, I'm here alone. How many are coming up to me? If I was dressed like Cook with the big feather in the hat and the sword and the brass buttons up and down with the epaulets, <laughs> I might just greet them. Yeah. But uh, dressed like I am now, with no tattoos or shanks through my eyebrow or anything. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Is there anything to fear from gangs? I don't if know. You're, I don't know. Not a situation I've been in. Um, so I, I don't know. Now, interesting. If what if I was in another country? I spent a lot of time uh, the last few years in Africa, and uh, uh, South Africa primarily. And you're you're warned all the time from the South African people that uh, you know uh, life. You hear this phrase, life is cheap there. Mm. And meaning that there's a, there's a lot of poverty there mm-hmm. because um, there, there's been a lot of immigration from sub-Saharan Africa um, over the borders into South Africa since the ANC has sort of opened the border. African National Congress, Mandela's party has opened the border. Mm-hmm. So there's, mm-hmm. you get a, a, an abundance of sort of illiterate, non-skilled people coming down looking for work and there's just not enough of work to they go came around. from money there's no money to be made yep and they're, they're there they're not other families else. all this kind of stuff so there's a there's a scent a bit of desperation sure and, and so if they and it's not a it's not a black or white thing if they see these people who are desperate see somebody who appears to have money they'll they'll take it yeah from you yeah or attempt to take it from you so um that scenario in a foreign country as a as a if you know kind of the rules you know when and where to go you know don't go jogging by yourself you know go with a buddy or what have you whatever this you know there's a lot of sort of things that you intuitively know when you live there it's just wise decisions to make but as a tourist you don't know right i don't know how to recognize these kind of potential scenarios so i would if I was in America, I think I, my whether it be clueless arrogance, I wouldn't feel threatened by a gang per se. Yeah. But in South Africa, I might feel really intimidated by that because I don't, you know, to me, everybody is going to be a threat sure. because of the what I've been told. So, <laughs> so I think in a foreign country, it's uh, it would be a little more ominous. Well, that's scenario. probably a good idea to be. <laughs> yeah. Better be safe than sorry. Yeah. Uh, well, we should wrap it up here, but I want to say, I want to ask one more thing. What, one of the last things you mentioned, the last podcast we did, you were writing a book. Any, oh, yeah. any work on that anymore? Does that exist? Uh, yeah, I was, um, I was, uh, I've, I've, that was right before I kind of went back to the film school thing and okay. just focused on that. So no, I, I haven't been writing no more at all. But I, I was in. I mean, it's still there. It's a. I have so many projects that I need to start finishing. Well, uh, what's what's what are you gonna what are you gonna be working on next? Well, I'm gonna be finishing this um, um, edit job I have, and I'm, I'm for Bent Washburn. For Bent Washburn. Uh, uh, I have my own CD that I'm 
that I've recorded that I need to edit and get out there too. So there's just a bunch of nonsense like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I have a four-year-old at home, which when I'm at home now takes all my time. So, so all these things I have to really cram and do on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Never enough time. Never enough time. I wish I had a, a, a studio like Edison did where you just come up with the idea and say, okay, now take care of that for me. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? I did write a children's book. But really? Yeah. Where are people finding it? Is, is uh, it, it's, is it, it is out there? It's not published yet. It's not published I've, yet? I've pitched it, so we'll see. Um, yeah, it's a very simple premise, and uh, it's called uh, How Dog Created Earth. How Dog Created Earth. Right, and see, the, here, the story is that God has a dog, of course, and its name is, it's the first dog, so God named it Dog. Of course. Right, and every day... God goes to do one phase of creating earth. The first day he makes land and it's perfect and square and it's flat and it's perfect. It's land and it's perfect. And then he goes to sleep and his dog chews it. Right? You know how dogs... Of course. <laughs> of course, the gag is is that his dog chews it into how a land is shaped today. So the dog has like Australia in his mouth. Right? Yeah. There's little bits of islands and continents scattered Shaken, out. Shakes and, it off and right, there's right. an island. God yeah. goes, no dog, no bad dog. Well, so then God makes mountains, and they're all perfect triangles with perfect slopes, and goes to bed, and dog gets out of his pen and chews all the mountains so they're jagged and whatever. Mm -hmm. So by the end of the story, this dog has basically taken God's perfect creation and made it all messy, and that's why Earth looks like it looks. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. At the end it's great. At the end God makes sky and he's and there's all these reasons why dog keeps getting out, right? The end is God makes sky and it's this perfect blue quilt and of course guess what happens? Dog takes a bite of it and uh and some fluff comes out and then yeah, dogs are they're like and they go crazy uh-huh. and just chew the whole thing and they're shaking it and there's fluff everywhere. So now that's why the sky on earth is blue with fluff. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, that's my little... I, I tell uh, every night I try to make up a story for my daughter as I put her to bed. And so sometimes the stories stick and she wants to hear them over and over. And that that's when I know I have something. Really? Yeah. So that came from that? Yep. That's beautiful. Yeah. You'll have to put, you'll have to and, put that in the front of the book, right? And the other one is the hairbrush monster. The hairbrush monster. Yeah. yeah. But I won't... I won't bore you with all my little children's stories. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I like them because I'm a dad yeah. of two dogs. So but, uh, I... I, I Hooking up with an illustrator who's going to... Because children's stories are a lot about the illustration. Absolutely. So so he's got to make that dog be uh, naughty but lovable, Mm -hmm. right? He's a happy dog. Tail always wagging. (laughs) I don't know if you've... uh, Have you ever looked at the two... I think he's done two now children's books. Weird Al Yankovic has done two children's books. And and I've I've read them to my daughters, and I I always think, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it can't be that difficult to write a children's story i mean the basics of it but it's got to stand out from the rest and i do think a lot of it has to do with the illustration right yeah mm-hmm. and who i don't know who he used for his book but it's really yeah. good very yeah. detailed and, and great cartoonish anytime know, somebody is famous and launches a children's book they're already they've, they've done the hardest part sure. which is to even get separation from the white noise of children or people writing children's books right right and there's a ton of white noise so. yeah you sell anything at the sh- at your shows right now you know I, I i don't have anything with me right now but i yeah i have my packet of 14 cards and oh my, you do my three cds and my dvd and then hopefully the next dvd yeah which tell is, people where to get that stuff since you don't have david crow.com david crow.com how often mm-hmm. are you using twitter i know you have an account i just don't use Twitter. I use Facebook. I post. Is there a way I can link the two? I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Is there? Yeah. I'll have to do that. Yeah. Uh huh. Except I think it's one or uh, yeah. You'll figure it out. Yeah. Well. Yeah. All right. Uh, and so you're on Facebook. The day. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. Did we cover everything? I think so. You know, I, I'm. I'm not a. Uh, I'm not the kind of. I'm much more of a novel type person as a do one thing that's big and share that as opposed to constantly be shooting peas at people every right, day right. and i feel like that's kind of the, how things are done anymore in communication but it just doesn't suit me very well so yeah. i'm going to uh spiral into the abyss of obscurity uh because i don't tweet on a regular basis <laughs> yeah i went on a tour with matt kershen not sure if you know mm-hmm. him, maybe. Mm-hmm. and uh, he was he tweeted 
everything. <laughs> he was tweeting all day, every day, nonstop, retweeting. I just uh, not you, not me. No, eh, it's not for everybody. Yeah, David, thank you. Much more inclined to talk to somebody after a show. Yeah, <laughs> and you'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if they buy you a drink. Thanks you for having me on the podcast. And I, uh, I are you still drinking scotch? Yeah, yeah, single malt scotch, neat. One glass after a show, perfect. Well, if anybody's listening to this, mm-hmm. he's not going to sell you anything. But if I mean, if you're listening to this before you come to a show this week at Acme, single malt scotch. Yeah, come up and say hi after the show. <laughs> not too peaty. Peaty? Yeah, that's when the scotch tastes really smoky. Oh, gee. I drink uh <laughs> I drink beer. I don't know. Right. Know about that. <laughs> David, thank you. Cheers, thank you.